Hello, welcome to the Pandem Files. This is a pandemic-inspired content series focused on startup founders, global leaders, and innovation during these pandemic times. We highlight solutions being built, organizational pivots, and new ways of work. We hope that our content inspires others across the globe to ideate, build, and scale solutions that impact humanity. We value diversity, so we intentionally have included in this series founders and ecosystem players from across the globe. We value inclusive learning, so let's get excited about real conversations with real people about real challenges and solutions. I am your host, Jewel Sparks. Today we're here with Sonny Vu. Um, he is the CEO of Arivo. And a lot of you guys know him from Misfit. I mean, he is like one of the like first pioneers, like in wearables, very successful uh, entrepreneur. And we're so happy to have you here today. So Sonny, where are you sitting right now? I am in Milpitas, California, South Bay, uh, Bay Area. Right. Okay. And how's the weather today? It's, uh, I mean, well, it's always amazing. So it's either amazing or really amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And today in Berlin, it's like raining like crazy. So, um, So tell us, what are you doing right now? What happened actually right after Misfit and then your acquisition, I guess, by Fossil? Can you just like catch us all up really? Yeah. So so we got acquired. We did Misfit uh, with the the goal of making technology either beautiful or invisible, but uh, highly functional to service rather than the other way around. <clears throat> as serving technology, which seems to often be the case. Um, at least that's the case with me and my remote control. Uh, we got acquired by a Fossil Group in 2015. I joined them um, as uh, president and CTO of uh, Connected Devices uh, as part of, uh, in connection with the acquisition for a couple of years. And over the last five years, uh, and then uh, advising investing in startups full-time since then. Uh, so over the last five years, um, been advising and invested in over uh, 30 companies, uh, working in connection with uh, VCs to, to uh, do seed and series A rounds. Uh, the focus has been on deep tech uh, that has, as we said, a positive, has a potential for a positive planet level impact. Um, and so a lot of it's climate change, but not all, you know, some of it is just opportunistic, you know, it's, it's a good deal, we'll do it. And so we've been involved in a number of areas, a lot of uh, some food biotech, <clears throat> uh, material science and, uh, and other stuff. And then when I ran across Arivo, it was like the most interesting company I'd seen in years. And, you know, lo and behold, they were actually looking for a CEO as well. So I was like, that's it. This has, this has, uh, you know, this is my, my calling. <clears throat> and so I joined them. Um, and basically in, in a nutshell, what, what Arivo does is um, it makes uh, it autumn. So uh, a, a, quick, a very quick background, um, carbon fiber composites, that's the space that they're in. Uh, composites are carbon fiber composites are really light and they're really strong, but it, uh, it's really slow to make them, and so they're really, and it's very expensive, very human labor intensive. So it's 2020, so you should use robots to automate that. So that's what we do: uh, robots, lasers, and automation, and voila, we we got uh, carbon fiber composites that are much less expensive and much faster to make, um, up to 500 times faster to make. And so, of course, it's robots, you know? Yeah, and so totally no, robots. Yeah, so no low-cost labor, no slave labor can compete with, with robots. Um, and so that's what we do. And, um, of course, nobody believes us, you know, as with any highly uh, transformative technology. So we're going to prove it to the world. 
by making a product, you know, rather than printing a bunch of stuff and saying, see, look what we can do. Eh, forget that. Let's make a product that people can really remember and fall in love with. So bicycles, you know, when you think of carbon fiber stuff, what's the first thing you think of, you know, I guess F-35 jets, but maybe, but, yeah, you know, but, I think but you know, not all of us uh, need one of those floating around. Maybe, I, I, you know, my, my son has a little toy one, but um, the, uh, so that's pretty much it. So we, um, so we're making a bike and uh, we wanted to focus on design as something that's really beautiful. So design, you know, bicycles functional, obviously we want it to be really light and really strong and, you know, and the ride is great, but also design that really is breathtaking. It's like, wow, man, I want that. You know, it's really, you know, so we're taking a little bit from the misfit playbook in a sense where design is, um, you know, you want products that are also uh, appealing. So, uh, so we did the Superstrata. We had no idea. I mean, we, we printed it up. We're like, okay, that looks pretty good. Let's, you know, we paid some guys uh, to make a, a video of it, throw it on Indiegogo and, it's actually worked out really well. So it's like, okay, maybe we should be making a bunch of bikes. I mean, that's the thing about additive manufacturing or 3D printing, right? Is if it doesn't work out, you can print something else, you know? Um, but this, but printing a bike frame, you know, pretty non-trivial and it's a really great uh, demonstration of the tech. So that's why we did it. So I have to go back like three points actually. So first of all, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, everything you said. But let's start first, um, like when you said you left um, Fossil and then you were actually on the other side where you basically yep. were investing in startups or companies. Yep. As, what, what would you say, um, how did you feel actually when you went from actually being a founder at that moment seeking um basically uh, seeking funding and then getting acquired to then kind of being on the other side of the table. What is it that you mm -hmm. were looking for in founders that you actually had invested in during that time period that you, you know, that you were actively like investing in companies? Well, I mean, it really was about investing in founders and not just, um, uh, companies, you know, cause, um, at that early stage, I mean, that's 90% of what you have to go on. It's like, please work on a really valuable problem um, that the world needs solving and please be good at, you know, please be wise and, uh, and open for growth, you know? And <clears throat> I think if you, I mean, obviously there must be a core competence and aptitude for, for what you need to do, you know, sales, marketing, <clears throat> planning, <clears throat> excuse me, et cetera. But um, importance of problem, I think, is a big one, you know. I mean, yeah, we could sell cat food online, but, man, I'd really rather, um, I don't know, uh, help people turn off their air conditioners, you know. Yeah. Um, so give us a couple of the companies, for example, that you've invested in. Yeah. So uh, one company we were pretty involved in uh, was a company called Perfect Day, which did um, <clears throat> basically synthesized uh, – the components for making dairy protein. Um, and so that was pretty cool. Uh, and so it's like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, people did meat and eggs and now we're doing dairy. <clears throat> and so that, that, that was pretty good. So I was a uh, chairman of the company for, I think for the first five years or so finished off at the end of, uh, to the, uh, at the end of last year. Um, and they're doing pretty well. Um, the last thing, um, that happened there the, when I was there was uh, raised a large series C 140 million bucks. So, um, they're off to a good, good, good start. And uh, so now we got dairy covered. Uh, so that was exciting. The other company that I'm really, that, uh, that was probably one of my favorites is, uh, Sensibo. 
and they did air conditioning controls. So which sounds super, super boring, okay? And it normally would be super boring, except for the fact that um, air conditioning is actually the number one by far. Like heating, ventilation, air conditioning is by far the number one contributor to greenhouse gases. It's not yeah. cars. It's not planes. It's not even the cows, believe it or not. The cows are a big one, but uh, it's actually freaking air conditioning because it is the, mo what, the most energy-intensive consumer product that we anybody has, and it's on all the time, <clears throat> and most of the time it's cooling a room that's empty. And so the target, like in terms of that particular company, their market was mainly the U.S. or what other like countries were they? So, oh, no, that, they, they were targeting mostly Europe and Asia. Um, they, uh, yeah. And so the U.S. is, uh, it's actually hard to control that because it's all, it's, most of it is, uh, a lot of it is central air. Although uh, on the coasts we have window uh, units, but those little units in each room, like in Europe, you, you have that, in Asia you have that. <clears throat> um, it's a thing you stick on the wall and it basically automatically controls your unit. Uh, it's like another, it's like your remote control, but it's connected to Wi-Fi. And so now I can control my air conditioning in, you know, in Vietnam from my phone here in California, um, any one of the rooms. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Okay. So now let's uh, fast forward to, uh, you said you stumbled upon Arivo. How did that happen? I mean, how did yeah, you so, on a real Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, sometimes you're, it's just dumb luck, you know, blind squirrel, right? So, but in this case, Vinod uh, uh, Kosla, one of their investors, uh, introduced them to me. He knew that I'm into kind of like weird companies like this. Um, you know, like if it was cat food online, we'd be like, okay, we're good. We're really good. You know, you probably make tons of money on it, but I just, I just like, not, That's not you don't like cats. That's because you don't have a cat. So obviously, I love cats. I am a cat person. Okay, I, I actually we cats and I, dogs and I we don't get along. But cats, I got really? have a magic power. For them. Yes, I can get any cat pretty much to come to me. So I have a thing I do, and then, but you know, I just uh, okay. Well, maybe we should see dog food online. You know, but the um, I, I just uh, I just think there's so many important problems to solve that are really interesting you know and so and the revo was uh making the so basically the tagline is we're making the world lighter so you know uh we can make things lighter we can be more energy efficient have bigger payloads uh have lighter structures um use less fuel have bigger wind turbines to generate more energy i mean there's just about there's it's limitless what we can do when things are really light and strong you know especially if you do it really cheap that is exciting. You know, if, if it costs you a ton of money to, like right now, um, finished carbon fiber composite parts, like aerospace grade stuff, it's around $2,000, almost $2,000 per kilogram. If we can get that to, you know, our goal, if we can get that to under $100 a kilogram, you know, oh my gosh, like, oh wow, you know, you're, you're, you're going to transform so many industries, you know? So and I'm not talking about those little carbon fiber, like iPhone cases. Those are not, that's actually not carbon fiber. Most of that, most of that is just a sticker, by the yeah. way. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, what I, I like what you said, making the world like lighter. That sounds like there's like some Steve Jobs, like uh, genetics in this company. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your team, actually, like the people that were part of it when you stumbled upon it, like tell us a little yeah. bit about like the core competency well, team. Where were they? What, what is actually has been their journey before you actually intersected with them? 
Well, we've we've always been big fans of Steve uh, and his work, um, but uh, there aren't too many of those around in the company. It's mostly uh, technologists, so a lot of material science people, a lot of mechanical engineers, compu- computational geometry kind of computer science people, and so yeah, a lot of deep tech. So it's software, it's hardware, it's materials, it's robotics, it's automation. So it's about forty people doing all that stuff, <clears throat> but jumping with PhDs. So it's it's hard. To, I mean, it's 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 engineering though. It's there's no basic physics being discovered here, but there's definitely a, a lot of uh, hard tech that's being developed. So it's taken a while. The company's been around <clears throat> since 2013, and uh, so we've been working on this for the last five years. And or for those first five six years, the technology is a lot more mature now. It works, and it works fast. And so the main thing is how do you make how do you three so 3D printing carbon fiber composite stuff. You know, some people, you know, people can kind of do it, but how do you make it big, large pieces, not little things? You know, we're trying to make bikes, not bikes for ants, okay? And how do you make it fast, okay? And, and how do you make it cheap? How do you make big things fast and cheap? That's hard. Um, that's what we're focused on. How are you doing that? How do you make big things fast and cheap? Just make big old robots that move really fast, uh, using materials that can cure through the process, cure, you know, that they set very fast, you know, and um, and just have a bunch of them, you know. So the plan is to have uh, our, a, 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 I think it's it's pretty easily going to be the largest uh, carbon fiber composite additive manufacturing facility. We call it the print farm um, in in the world. We're going to set it up um, in Vietnam. That's you know, we have a lot of home court advantage there. And uh, yeah, just print a bunch of carbon fiber parts there that you probably couldn't make with your normal approaches. Because the way you make composite stuff right now is you lay out these carbon fiber fibers and you put them in between plastic and you have these sheets of like plastic and carbon fiber, plastic over. And then you, you lay them and then you press it together. And then you cut out the shape that you want and then there's your piece. The, the problem with that is you generally end up with two dimensional pieces, kind of flat things. If you want curvy things, like a, I don't know why you'd want a basketball that was carbon fiber, but if you wanted a, a simple thing as a sphere, you can't do that because you can't wrap a sphere with a sheet. You know, um, it'll have wrinkles. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's the plan right now is to have a bunch of big robots moving really fast in Vietnam. So basically, uh, the team is in Vietnam. Uh, the team's in California. We're building a team in Vietnam. Uh, the the Vietnam, the Vietnam team is for industrialization and automation and uh, built you know just like making a lot of stuff. Um, the team in California um, they're uh, working on the next generation stuff. You know. Oh, so that's like where all like the the design engineers and stuff are basically in California. The PhD. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the next gen stuff, but we also have design and uh, engineering in Vietnam as well. It's just the uh, ones focused on scale and industrialization. Ones focused on kind of making, and then California will focus on making things faster and better quality or whatever. So uh, the teams are working together hand in hand. That's exciting. You also mentioned that you guys had done a was it an Indiegogo? That's right. Yeah. So to kind of prove out our point, we, we said, all right, let's make a thing, you know, that people like. So we did this uh, bike and, um, uh, and, and, you know, we want to test the market, make sure people actually want it. So we, yeah, we put on Indiegogo on uh, this crowdfunding camp uh, platform called Indiegogo. It's like Kickstarter, but it's another name. 
and uh, it's, so far it's going pretty well. Is that right now, currently, is that... Um, it is. We just launched it two days ago, so oh, we're actually... What's your goal? What's Friday. What, actually, what is, we're about to, actually, we're about to shut off our early, kind of like our early bird, uh, like the early access pricing. So that's actually going to be gone. In so how much are you here. trying to raise via Indiegogo? So our stated goal, uh, of course, it's an understated goal because, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm saying this, uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly, but we put out $100,000 as our goal. Um, <laughs> you know, we really would have been happy if we hit uh, a million um, but you know, you can't, I mean, you don't want to look stupid. So we put down a hundred thousand. Um, okay. but, and that went really fast. It went way faster than we thought within two minutes and 37 seconds. That's I know, I know. Timing, way, right? I mean, it was not, we knew it was going to be fast. We had no idea it was going to be that fast. Uh, and then we hit our first million in, uh, uh, before 24 hours, like 23 hours and 40 minutes or something like that. So it was okay. really fast. So really here's fast. the question. There's a lot of founders that actually try to put their stuff on the Indiegogo. What would you say the trick is? Like, what did you guys do before leading up to your Indiegogo? Did you so, first of all, first, you were going to launch or what did you do? You know, honestly, we, I, I just called up a lot of friends, just a lot of friends and begged them, please support me. And uh, so it was a lot of begging, you know, and, um, and I don't mind begging. My, one of my, uh, my, my co-founder from a previous company, he said my, uh, my, my, my secret to success is my, 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 my superpower is my shamelessness. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> and uh, so we had a, a lot of friends back us at the, in the early hours. So that helped. Now we're beyond that friend stage. I don't have a thousand, you know, like I have like, you know, 50 friends, but you know, that's about it. And then I think the key is just a great story. Like finally we can get a product that is really light, like other carbon fiber products. Um, but really strong because we're using a 3D printing technology instead of like gluing things together because usually a carbon fiber bike is made of a bunch of parts that you put around, make around a mold, and then you fuse these parts together, you glue them together basically. <clears throat> and so that's why it's, uh, yeah, it's strong because we don't have any glue or any seams because it's just one piece out of the, out of our machine. Using, you said using this particular material is like really expensive. Um, I want to like think about um, basically like supply chains and things like that. I, obviously, mm -hmm. we're, we're recording this during the COVID-19 yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the issues, uh, challenges, actually a lot of companies that were like basically their supply chains were in Asia or yeah, yeah. parts well, of the we, world. I mean, our printers are here. Yeah, it's a great question around supply chain. Um, the carbon fiber we use. Yeah, our carbon fiber made in the USA, you know, and our robots are based here. So um, now we're going to build these robots in uh, in Vietnam and put them there. But, you know, Vietnam and the U.S., we're friendly countries. And Vietnam is, you know, we're clear of COVID. I mean, we we haven't had a case in Vietnam for the last, I think, nine weeks or something like that. The company, I mean, the country's been up and running since May. You know, theaters, restaurants, all that stuff. So... There isn't, I mean, people still wear masks and stuff to be careful, but, you know, uh, I mean, you can't get into the country very easily. No, you can't, but you can. Country, but you can. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to get into the country, but, um, but you can certainly ship things out of it, you know, and ship things in. So that's not a problem. Okay. Okay. Now, speaking of, I'm going to talk to you specifically about like COVID. So you're sitting in California, um, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in Germany. I've read that the numbers 
in California for COVID-19 uh, has just been absolutely ridiculous. Um, how do you feel actually about this pandemic and has it affected your business or your thought process as you are running this company at all? Like, I mean, have you modified your business model at all, done any pivots? I mean, has it had you thinking a little bit differently in terms of how you're going to set up your business for mass production, anything? I mean, clearly we are, you know, at the company, we're very aware of the situation and like take it very seriously to make sure the employees stay safe. So we just kind of encourage people just to work at home if you can. Um, we have a lot of robots and stuff, so you need people to go in and to tend to them. But otherwise, we're working from home uh, <clears throat> whenever possible. That said, to be completely honest, it hasn't really affected us that much, except positively. And I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to make lemon and uh, lemons and lemonade, but you know, everyone's on time now. Like you know, you're you're like a minute late to a to a to a to a Zoom meeting. Everyone's like, oh my god, you're late. It's like, dude, it's a, it's been a minute and a half. You know, but it's because we have the clocks here. Everyone knows that, and there's no excuse because you just got to click on something, right? I don't know if you've noticed that, but everyone's like way more on time now than before. And because we don't have to like screw around shuttling between meetings and driving around to meet people, you just can have more meetings all the time. So it's just way more efficient, I think, uh, now. Okay, that's um, good yeah. and bad. I'm kinda I'm kinda zoomed out personally. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, but I'm sure you're a great boss, so you're not letting and making having your team like on Zoom calls like all the time at crazy hours. Well no, well, we, we gotta also get work done. Um, but if you do need to have a meeting, it's you know, pretty quick. And also we can work around the world and you know, there's no commuting time. I just think we're actually more productive now than ever before. Um, now that said, uh, and also in and also in Vietnam, it's just because there have been so few cases. We've only had 288 cases in Vietnam since the pandemic started. Can you believe that? I mean, we have 100 million people, a 1,200-mile border with China in the north, that's where it all started, and we've only had fewer than 300 cases. Why do you that's think it. that is? No deaths. Oh, it's very, it's a, the, the, death, the, the explanation, I mean, you know, there's multiple explanations. One is, you know, the, the number, there, people are lying about the numbers. But I don't think so because none of the hospitals are inundated. I mean, like, there's literally been no change to hospital, like, utilization, like zero. It's they 300 people. I mean, that's, you know, that, that many people get admitted by 2 a.m. every day, right? Um, in any, uh, in, <clears throat> so there's been basically no change. So I'm pretty sure the numbers are right. But I think the main thing is we've just had a lot of experience. You know, um, I mean, this is the sixth epidemic that I can think of that we've had to deal with because we had to deal with SARS and MERS and, you know, avian, swine, H1N1. And it's like, hell, oh, here we go again. You know, and so we went into lockdown like late January, man. Like we, we don't screw around. The minute we heard about this, measures went in place. We invented the tests, the, one of the first tests. We just tested the crap out of everybody. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it worked, you know. That's amazing. So if you were running America right now, what is the strategy that you would have that you would have implemented actually immediately given your like the microsecond that we hear about an outbreak in, in China? Like it's the sixth time, people. Seriously, it's not like we've not seen an outbreak from and I mean it's so specific. It's like it always comes out of southern China for whatever reason just freaking shut down the border and don't don't screw around like just do it man 
And, you know, it was funny. We were here in, the, in, in California in, in February thinking, hmm, should we go back to Vietnam where it's probably a lot safer or stay here where people are not used to having their civil liberties taken away? Hmm, maybe we should just go back, you know, because it's not about civil liberties. It's about your safety, you fool. So, um, <clears throat> you know, yes. You back you to know. Vietnam. You're, you and your family went back to Vietnam from when to we when? We almost did. We were planning on doing it, and then we decided, you know what? <clears throat> it's California. There's a lot of space. The hills in Milpitas are beautiful and spacious. We'll just run off to the hills if we need to, uh, if there's any issues. <clears throat> and it's been okay. You know, it's not, I mean, um, it's been annoying to be cooped up here and it's annoying that it's middle of July and the economy is not back open. You know, when our friends in Vietnam, in Vietnam, I mean, movie theaters, restaurants, freaking opera, like who goes to the opera uh, during this time? You know, oh, they do in Vietnam, you know? Yeah. I miss those days. I've been posting recently like flashbacks of my socialite days in San Francisco when I was on the board of the ballet and the symphony. I'm like, Oh my God, I totally miss these like openings, <laughs> like their culture stuff. Yeah, yeah. No one's talking about the ballet now. <laughs> yeah. No one's talking about that. Like, you know, anyway, yeah. they're not um, be tiptoeing around, but that's not the ballet. Right. <laughs> and the film festivals. I mean, I was so happy to be like in the state in January and finally went back to Sunday film festival which i love and i'm just like oh my god i'm glad i did that because who knows when i'll be going back to america now um but i think but, things are going to change on to be online now instead so that'll be yeah that's true okay so let's talk about a little bit tell us a little bit more about revo like basically who is your target customer like obviously you said that you have like facilities in both california and in vietnam so yeah, but we're building them in vietnam yeah and you're building them in Vietnam. So who is your customer? What is your goal? I mean, I know you said you want to get the price point down in terms of manufacturing, yeah. you have robots and things like that. So is the play like this is like one of the state of the art, um, you know, 3D manufacturing facilities. I mean, is that what your play is? Is that what you are? Yeah. Talk so the plan is to, uh, yeah, is to get the um, uh, big brands like big, uh, we'll start with bikes, you know, big bike brands that can, um, uh, where we can make the frames for them, you know, like we don't need to make our own brand. I mean, the Superstrata is just a demonstration, you know, it just happened to be something that people really liked. So, okay, I guess instead of making a few hundred bikes, we'll probably make a few thousand bikes, but I can't imagine we'll ever make hundreds of thousands of bikes uh, for Superstrata. And I just, you know, I, I don't know, maybe if we do, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I'd rather be making them for, you know, uh, the big bike for Cannondale, you know, that'd be awesome. Like, yeah, my Cannondale you know, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love well, that. Well, I'd love to do that, you know, so like if they uh, need uh, frames made, we'd love to make it for them. That, that's just an example, you know, um, because then they, because they know their market, they know the segment, they know how to design bikes a thousand times better than we do. They've been doing it for much longer. Uh, they have the marketing and the brand power. I'm just using that as an example. It could be track yeah, or whoever else. Exactly, exactly. What um, other industries are you thinking you guys want to like move towards after the bike? Drones. We love drones. You know, the parts for drones are complex. Yeah. And uh, every gram that you save is a big deal for drones. Um, mm -hmm. So lightweight, complex parts. Uh, that's, uh, and so we'd probably be more commercial drones to start with because mm -hmm. they're bigger and they, and they also have more money. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't even know how to work with a 
consumer drone company, but I guess if they wanted us to make their body out of carbon fiber, we could. It would be kind of expensive at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a lot of sporting equipment ones, so like golf clubs. Um, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of, I, I don't know, maybe we'll do that, but um, it'd be nice to hit things that are really uh, mission critical, like that are really important. So automotive, aerospace, um, you know, where we're doing a lot of aeros- uh, you know, but aerospace is, you know, the, the questions about that industry right now. So, but it's going to take a while to even get into the industry yeah. anyways. Well, so basically it's, a, so basically it's a B2B play. I mean, you have yeah. like a good strategy. So the entry is obviously to start with bikes, then maybe drones, but then aerospace, obviously that's like defense. So it sounds like you ba- you basically, as an organization, you'd be able to have a lot of uh, partnerships with kind of these yeah. brands. Um, and I do yeah. know that right now, a lot of the aerospace companies, they're really working in their innovation departments to kind of like pivot into kind of focus on yeah. other elements and things that they're working on. And obviously space is big right now. So everybody's working on their space uh, project. Yeah, yeah. a lot of space stuff. stuff. Um, okay. a lot of, yeah, I mean, you yeah. have- uh, Elon Musk, you know, is moving to uh, Germany here like right almost in my backyard he's like has a, a manufacturing facility that's coming to germany in a couple of years oh that's so, pretty cool yeah that's kind of exciting so they've already been hiring for all their engineers here in germany and it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens with the automotive industry actually here in germany oh my god that's uh, like setting up uh, a dairy plant in wisconsin i mean oh my gosh exactly uh, exactly well is so he gonna make it like right next to stuttgart or something or what's he gonna in do Brandenburg. To- it's in Brandenburg. Oh, Brandenburg. Whoa. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, this is like right. a major disruptor for the German. Market. Oh my God. I wonder how the Germans are going to think about this. They must be either so pissed or so excited or both, you know? Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I think actually when I woke up one morning and I saw that he actually was going to basically build his manufacturing facility. I was like, Oh my gosh, who let that happen? Oh because this I mean, he could have like- just done it in like Poland and shipped it over, but no, he goes to Germany because you know, just, uh, and I'm telling you, this is like the Mercedes <laughs> and BMW and Audi. I oh mean, like, this is really going to be some very interesting times. Can imagine? I, I, I bet that's going to be a name for people who, who defect. You know, and it's like, oh, you work for Tesla in Germany. There's a special place. In, uh, there's a name for you for people like that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. We got some X files happening right there. No pandem files, no. but definitely some X files. <laughs> anyway, so, Sonny, I want to thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, we yeah. will keep a lookout on Arivo and what you're doing there. Also, thank you for okay. the email so I can get my like nice bike. Um, and it's been really a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're really busy. You probably have like some other engineering meeting coming up right now, but it's been a pleasure. And it's been a great actually watching your journey throughout the years. Like for, like an innocent bystander, I have like seen you in Misfit. I loved Misfit. I got a couple of samples throughout. Uh, so, you know, I like to sample like products and services and actually see how they work actually as a, as a woman in tech, female in tech. I like to always see like actually how good are these products for me (laughs) mainly male dominated like but anyway so that's a whole different other segment but anyway thank you very much for your time and it's been great and uh good luck 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Panda Files, created by BitHouse Group and United 17 Ventures. As a founder of Startup 42 Media, I am a huge fan of highlighting and sharing the stories of those who are paving roads less traveled and adding value to the lives of others. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me at Jewel Sparks via Twitter. If you know of a founder or leading an initiative that has been able to transcend and navigate beyond the unknown, we would love to feature you on our show. Please send an email to buildimpact at panamfiles.com or hello at startup42.co. Thanks again for tuning in and until next time.